Shit, I could have literally used this table. I have a damage by level and severity table, and I was just like pulling shit out of my butt for um, the boulders, and I could have literally just used that. Welcome to the cold open of the after party, <laughs> where our DM realizes in his first session using an actual DM oh screen God. that it can be sometimes useful. It is so helpful. This thing's amazing. And I just like ignored it and decided to just like make dumb decisions. But it was like five times what. Tracy got hit with when he got hit with a boulder. So, jeez Louise, we have been in and out of all kinds of death this episode. I went to some Dumbledore platform nine and three quarters white room. Something happened to Johnny that I don't know anything about. We were in the belly of the whale, and then we got rebirthed. What's happening? I really hope the next land we go to is just like Candyland, just sunshine. I want no water <laughs> in the next place we go. Now there's going to be a desert, so that's great. This was the <gasps> swimming level, and the third level is always the swimming level, and now you guys won't <laughs> have to swim ever again. So how do death saves work? I got genuinely worried when Johnny had two hit points left, and then you're like, oh, well, there's 12 damage, goodbye. And I was like, are you killing his character? Like, I didn't know what was going on. So what normally do you do when a person falls below zero hit points? So they're called death saving throws, but when you hit, fall below zero, you're actually just knocked out. So you're unconscious. Oh. So you have three strikes, essentially, to come back to consciousness. You're still at zero hit points if you come back to consciousness, but you have three chances. You're a one when you come back. You're a one. You're right. So you roll a d20. If you hit a 10 or above, that's a success, and you come back to consciousness with one hit point. If you roll below a 10, you get an X and three Xs and you're out, meaning you're wow. dead. And generally, if this happens during initiative, you go one and that's your turn. Like that's your entire turn. And then what happens to your body afterwards, you know, you don't get much of a choice. There's things that you can do to increase your chances. There are things that can decrease your chances. All depends on the DM and the situation, I guess. And then what happens after you die is up to how you handle it. Some people are forced by their DMs to tear up their character sheets. Others are given chances by the DM to try to resurrect. My favorite way of, of a resurrection was done by the Penny Arcade crew where they went through a version of hell to try to save one of their fallen companions. Wow. Yeah, but I think Johnny did a little different. Yeah, Michael Fischer. So why can the Undying Light bring Jonathan back to life? So in the Unearthed Arcana, when we created Johnny B. Goodlight, there is an ability that has been slightly nerfed, made less powerful, and uh, moved to a higher level called Searing Vengeance. It's a radiant energy channel, allows you to overcome grievous injuries. When you would make a death saving throw, you instead spring back to life on your feet with a burst of radiant energy. Immediately stand up if you want, regain hit points equal to half of your hit point maximum. All hostile creatures within 30 feet of you take 10 plus your charisma mod radiant damage and are blinded. Once you use That's this feature, insane. you can't do it again until you finish a long rest. Just a long rest. That's a Whoa. nuclear bomb. It's ridiculous. And back in the Unearthed Arcana when this was made, that's not even the most powerful thing you get. They just have it in the wrong order. I think that's a great like level 14 spell. Right. Or ability. Well, uh, like 20 or something almost. Yeah. I mean, 
I was talking to Eric day one about that ability, saying that this is <laughs> needs to be nerfed. We both agreed that there needed to be some more lore implications and then implications for Johnny. It was crazy. I mean, we saw this thing on like the horizon and I'm just like, oh, this is going to break my game. Cool. I can kill Johnny. That's unfortunate. And I mean, let's be real. I've known about this for a while and I know that Brandon and, and Amanda have kind of known about it. I've not gone out of my way to try to die. In this case, had things gone how I wanted it, I was the last hit on the bone whale and that's what would have solved things. So here's how we decided to get around it. Fish and I made an undying light death table. We made a like a point system for how Johnny dies. And then he can use those points to ask something of the undying light. And do you get points for like valor or for coolness? What are the points? Yeah, he gets like if he dies fighting shadows, he gets extra points. If he dies being badass and like taking care of other people, he gets extra points. If he dies like in a dark room, he loses points. If he dies like one after another, so like let's say these things like happen really soon after another, he gets like negative 10 points. Yeah, like if I were to die next session, I wouldn't be able to gain anything from it. And regardless, I will be rolling for an affliction of some sort. Right. So like there's also a number of points if he wants to come back with like a penalty or not. So uh, Fish and I came up with 20 penalties that he might get when he comes back to life. And we have already seen. <laughs> Evidently, one is a shrink ray. Yep. There's, this one was shrink one foot shorter. Are we oh sure gosh. his clothes didn't just get bigger? Is that an affliction? Um, that was not one of the ones okay. on the table, no. Is potted plant one, though, for reals? Because that would be <laughs> exciting as hell. Turns into a potted plant? No. So a lot of these afflictions that, for obvious reasons I'm not going to spell out to you guys, come from just online. You can get these tables of wild magic or just random things that happen like thousands of random action stuff. So Eric and I were going through them and we pulled stuff that we liked and that are, you know, flavorfully good with Johnny or canonically like sounds like undying light ish. And uh, one of the less uh, related to the undying light is a uh, shrink afoot. But, you know, you roll what you roll. And uh, that's what I got. I, I mean, know. I love some of these. And we'll see what happens if he dies again. Maybe we'll get worse penalties. We'll we'll see when it happens. The goal will always be to not die. I think that this has never happened to Johnny before. In universe, this has not happened to Johnny before. And then in my headcanon, this has not happened to him before this moment either. No, absolutely not. So I don't think this is something that he wants to really do again. And I think it's going to be extraordinary circumstances as in like jumping in front of a freight train. I don't or, think Johnny would enjoy the process of being bludgeoned to death by damage. No. And like, yeah, he's still like this hurt him and there's punishments. And I just this is this was a bad time, but I'm glad that some good came out of it is the way I see it. I agree. I'm excited. I think this is also a really cool example of playtesting material. The UA stuff is stuff that they put out that's not playtested, meaning no one has like played it in competition play and, and they haven't refined it. And what we're doing is like literally live playtesting and we fixed a thing that Wizards probably is going to fix in the future. Yeah, shout out to uh, Dungeons & Dragons, the game, Wizards of the Coast, LLC, TM, TM, TM. Uh, just hit us up and we will do all of your things for you and you can just like hire us and like give us free stuff and that would be really cool. Whatever. So midway through this episode, I wrote down in my list of notes for the after party, Shadow Cowl is so great and then two exclamation points. Just don't think so anymore because <laughs> I ended up getting poisoned by some kind of sludge faced with the first cold-blooded kill I ever made, and then made translucent. 
I didn't like any of that. Uh, how do you feel about that? Don't like it. Pretty disturbed. I mean, I just think that this was, I was speechless as a player a little bit. And I think Inar really would have been as well, where like for a minute she thinks that that her kind of relationship to death, like she feels secure in it. You know, like she feels justified in that kill. She feels like it allowed the party to do this and to get where they needed to go and to vanquish the bone whale. But then everything that she thought she knew was completely turned on its head. So I am shaken. I was reminded of the character Legion, also a TV show on FX, mm-hmm. where the people in the comic more than in the movie, it's the people he's killed or the people he's witnessed die are in his head vying for control. And that's kind of what it felt like had happened was yeah. the person that you like set out to kill. So not Geneva, which that was an accident, yeah. but was a confirmed kill. But Callie, who you did murder, like in your head and it kind of felt like she was kind of in control of your body or it yes. seemed that way. And handicapped me by, you know, making my kind of feet and hands the things that I needed to swim and then to save you ineffective. This is a potentially not great thing if it keeps happening for someone who's supposed to be an assassin. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. even though I became corporeal again, it really felt to me like a you think you're in charge? Not the case. Like maybe she could have kept control and made Johnny drown or something. But it just felt like a little bit of a power move meant to shake me up, which it did. We also got to see another realm, like another plane. Yes. Which is interesting. Yes. I don't think any of us have seen that plane before. So, Well, two planes. Right. Johnny's and mine. Oh, yeah. Two planes. Yeah. So, I mean, my thoughts- Two planes? My my, my thoughts, ignoring that. My <laughs> thoughts on uh, that is like, it seems like with Inara's, it's like kind of more the plane of like, it's more inner- and like more about her and where she's at. This is all just I'm conjecture. guessing. I mean, yeah. Kelly said I'm here with you. So whether it's something that's tethered to the river, because like we're probably swimming where Kelly's body died, like right in sure. the middle of the river. And so I don't know if it's tied to that and her spirit hasn't moved on or, or whatever the mechanic is, or if it's something personal and it's truly just a projection or mm. part of Inara's consciousness. Don't know. Versus we know in D&D in general, you have the conception of a physical world and then on different sides of it, the Fae, the Celestial, the Infernal, the others that I can't remember. And then there's other demi worlds or demi planes. And then if you pull way, way back, there's just positive and negative. If, if it helps here, I like to think that there are really only five planes in this world. We have the one that we're on. We have the realm of Adama, of creation. We have the one of death, which is Zeol. And then we have this one that Johnny has been unearthing, which is the positive and negative planes. I got to say, though, I mean, this is the things that you guys have discovered and what you know in religion. If we get to, like, more multiverse biz, like, that's stuff that you get from, like, straight D&D. But yeah, I try to think yeah. of, like, what we are playing with in this world that I've homebrewed and I can't you hold on to that many no, elemental sure. planes all at the same time. I'm trying to suss it out myself as a player, trying to understand the world that my character lives in. It's just exciting. Like I've spoken before about how some of my favorite moments in gameplay are when the camera pans back, like going back to our second episode, where at the very end you sort of pan up and see that the star winked out and that this is so much bigger than a wedding and so much bigger than a single groom. And I felt that today as well, which is like, 
life and death do not mean what I thought that they mean. And maybe this is more taken for granted for people who have played D&D before. But for me, like, I assume that the bounds of the world match up with the one that I live in until told otherwise. And this was a major camera panning back. Things are much bigger and more complicated than you thought they were moment. I will tell you that of all the things that happened in the episode in terms of like shock for me, the number one was going to be and still is Tracy deciding to chop off the chain. Yeah, yeah, man. That goop was coming up towards you. And now you know the bad stuff that might have happened. You would have been like Venom Tracy. You would have like opened your mall and there would have been big Spider-Man <laughs> teeth in there. Yeah, I I think I actually did sit here for a good couple of minutes trying to decide what to do because I didn't want to do that. That item has been super, super useful for me so far. Oh, yeah. You use it at least like once every two sessions. I know. It's great. And without it, honestly, Tracy's a little like hamstring. Like, I don't know how helpful he's going to. He can swing a cool big axe and that's about it. Range now. mode's still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he's got an alligator too, I guess. Tracy, you have value beyond the mechanics you bring to our team. Yeah, he can read books. I'm gonna yeah. cry. He can't get poisoned. Yeah, that was actually the other thing I was going to talk about. Thanks so, for playing with me in the space, Michael. I got you. <laughs> the water didn't affect me and the piranhas didn't affect me, but they seem to affect other people. So what was the deal? Sure. So when I was doing this, I was looking up a bunch of different ways that people have rendered the Bakikujira, which we've talked about before, this Japanese bone ghost whale, how they rendered it in D&D. And, you know, we have, like, the ghost fish and the ghost birds, and it has this whale, and it has all this stuff. Whale, W-A-I-L, as a, for the whale, W-H-A-L-E. Uh, nice. Play. Homophone. Homophone. <laughs> and this one that I saw was, like, we had these, like, bone piranhas that were, like, always swimming through the river. But I thought that this one had, like, an aura of disgusting around it, like these dead, rotting fish. I thought that they were fresher. Like they had just been transformed from normal fish into undead fish and until the like flesh fell off of them and they became the more kind of sanitized skeleton cartoon style fish that I had pictured. I just thought that this was like the source. So it feels like that black sludgy water is like the birthing grounds of the undead fish. This is gross. That's what I assumed. I mean, this is like supposed to be grosser and nastier. Like there was a lot of necrotic biz going on. It's just gross. So what this one that I found, they had an aura for you to be sickened. And sickened is a condition from 4th edition, which they don't have anymore. I don't know exactly what it is because I keep trying to use it and then I realize that it doesn't exist. But it's like you just get sick and I think you do damage and like you might vomit and you might lose actions and stuff. So what I changed that to you being poisoned, like really, really sick enough that you're like, you feel so disgusting that you get disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. But I liked it that it's this idea of wisdom. It's like you see this horrible thing in front of you and you like need to get enough inside of your mind to like keep yourself from vomiting. Yeah, like inner strength. I think that's really, really cool sort of mind over matter taken to an extreme. Yeah, mental instead of the like more regular poisons would be a constitution because you're against a physical thing. But this it's more like the thought when you see someone else puke, you're mentally trying to prevent yourself from puking because, you know, you might be sickened by that. Exactly. Like are you rattled or not? Yeah. Yeah, I'm rattled. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is that even though I changed this thing, Tracy can't be poisoned. So like this condition doesn't happen to robots. It's exactly what I said. It was like, what do you have to vomit? You can't actually eat food. We've made so many jokes about this. Um, It's like, what would you do? Yeah, specifically it's living constructs. So there's actually a lot of monsters as well that can't be poisoned or status changed like that. 
Also, though, I think another condition just from my honed D&D player skills happened in this episode, too, when Alonzo seemed to be frightened. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, frightened is a really cool one as well. Um, A frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of its fear is within sight line. And the creature, so the one that's frightened, so that would be Alonzo, can't willingly move closer to the source of its fear. Wow. That's interesting. And then he dealt the final blow. Yeah. (sighs) What a comeback. Listen, we didn't even get to do a really cool thing that I really wanted to do. So I'm assuming that my death was not the puzzle solve mechanic that you wanted for this. No, I mean, you saw what happened if the, who knows what would happen if the bone whale hit the side of the cavern again? Who would have known what would happened if you would let it live for another while longer? I mean, I have actions that I didn't get to use. It also has some legendary actions, which I only got to use once, which was the frightening mm-hmm. whale. Listen, you guys activated the big trap. That was the big puzzle. This whole thing is like, if someone actually lived here and wanted to protect themselves, how would they do it? It's kind of like you're putting a key in a lock or setting an alarm, but to a giant, that would be like picking up a statue. I pictured one of those bookcases where you pull a book and then it swings open. That was kind of the triggering a tripwire type mechanic. Like, that's how I was picturing it. And, you know, I sat here at the table and like looked at Fish and Brandon and said, like, should I do this or not? But at a certain point, we were moving so fast that... I think in ours calculus would have been, okay, even though, you know, we were almost hit by the first two of these traps that we set off, it cannot hurt us more than it can help us. Like we are so at a disadvantage and we are so unsure where we're going that having something else up in this mix probably will help. I just really appreciate that as a group, we're very food motivated. (laughs) <laughs> like we will follow anything or do anything or act um, can you the specify <laughs> Johnny is very uh, food I would like motivated. to be excluded from this narrative please <laughs> is it Nara food motivated I think she's oh 100% a little... I think Tracy is think he just wants to join in with the group and be cool so he likes food too <laughs> I think he also wants what's due to him like us not being taken care of us being locked up really set you off you know like there are ways in which our sort of physical needs as non-living constructs are compatible with like your, I don't know, I think moral drive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Basically give our group a hint of food and we will go in that direction, even if it's into a volcano. Hey. Give a man a fish. He'll eat for a day. There's some locks in the top of this cave. Teach a man how to fish and he will blow up a bonefish. Also, sorry that Alonzo stole your kill. I wanted that (laughs) final shot. I wanted that final shot. Guys, I was so cinematic with what I was doing. I wanted to explode it from doing. within. I wanted to like explode it with my two daggers from inside its stomach and the flaming, raging, poisoning sword of doom behind me. That would have happened. I just wanted to do anything right. We got some questions. These two are from Twitter. The first one is from Matt Lewinsky. What's, hi, Matt. What's hi, the... Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, I don't hi, know Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Oh, hi, Matt. What's the best winter setting for D&D? Narnia. Ooh, <laughs> hot damn. Anyone else have a lesbian awakening when the queen came across like giving candy to her consort and wearing furs? Just me? I can't say that I did. I can't say that I, either. I appreciate and support that. Because Turkish delight are disgusting. I've had That's Turkish why. delights. I would not betray my entire family for Turkish delights. No, me neither, but I would for that one. <laughs> that is a copy of a joke from Comedy Bang Bang. So sorry. <laughs> cool. Scott Ackerman, get on our podcast. Me neither, but I would for that woman, and I would eat whatever dumb candy she fed to me. So, I don't know, just that image of going through the wardrobe from a boring house to Narnia, like, has never left me. And I would love to live in that kind of eternal winter, trying to rediscover summer, trying to topple the winter queen, like, all that kind of stuff. I just find it to be so fascinating. And you'll help to find Jesus. Hmm. 
<laughs> Jesus. Thanks, Aslan. The, the lion maybe, Jesus. Maybe that was a foundational text in my transition from Catholicism to not Catholicism because I was able to transfer all my Jesus feelings onto a lion and then from there dissipate them into the world. Yeah, you can get rid of a lion easy. They do. And then he comes back because he's Jesus. Man, Spoilers I, for that book. <laughs> I was going to say just like going on a mountain and doing snowboarding, but yours was a much better answer. This one is from Lloyd. What kind of character would your characters roll if they were going to start their own D&D campaign? <laughs> Tortle. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. absolutely yes. true. Yes, he would. For sure, for sure. Wait, can he play a snail? Could Tracy play a snail? Aww. Is that a playable race? No. <laughs> no. We'll make a homebrew for you. Cool. Johnny would play himself. Johnny would absolutely. He's, play he's all about. When I saw this question and I was like, I know the answer to this. He would just play himself. You know what he would do is he would have one of those personal like mirrors and like anytime he was like, oh, what would Johnny do in the situation? He would just look in the mirror and study it and then describe it. Hey, Eric, can I get a mirror? Bring for, your own mirror. Bring how, your about, own mirror. how about you paste some like mirrored paper into the inside of your player's guide, the inside cover? Johnny does open this. it up. Yeah. Okay. He, he does. Yeah, just clarify. I think Anara would, would roll up some kind of like damsel in distress just for fun and like make her attractive and damselly and just put on a voice and like really revel in the just being very different to herself. That'd be fun. That's interesting. What would Alonzo or Stoneface do? I think both Alonzo and Stoneface would try to be the DM. <laughs> I can see both of them doing it for absolutely different reasons. Stone's face would do it and be like, hey, I got so many good voices. Don't you want to hear all the different voices I have? You I, just heard five of them. They're all different voices. No, I just did five right in front of you. Didn't you hear how they were all different? It's like someone's doing a one, one man show and it's just all the same voice. You know what would be unbearable? That game. <laughs> <laughs> but our characters would play that. What they would also do is there are like really bad D&D groups. It happens sometimes, especially when randos meet to play. Just get through the one game and find a new group. That would be Alonzo's game. We would meet once and we would hate it and we would leave. Would Greg play? Yeah. It no, would... Greg would be the mom bringing the snacks. No, I think Greg would play and then Alonzo would feel like he had to make concessions to Greg. Yeah, I think Greg would try to like work out marital disputes in the game. Ooh. You know? I figured out who's bringing the snacks. It's the speaker. The speaker the would bring speaker's bringing yes. bagels. The speaker yes. is everyone's mom. Evan. And in my in my <laughs> head would we reconcile with Tom Bjorn, he would also bring snacks to our games on the picnics of the banks of the river. All right, I got one last one. This is from Lucille. How deliberate are you guys with your character dynamics? While you guys have overall group dynamic, something that I've been noticing more as the game progresses is how the characters' interpersonal relationships have been developing alongside it. For instance, Johnny and Tracy have been traveling together for a while, but something that became evident in the last episode is that Johnny and Inara aren't exactly as idealistic as Tracy is, and they're more willing to get their hands dirty and murder people if it happens. Was this premeditated... Or did this really just happen on accident? Calling it like she sees it, y'all. It really just happened. We saw it was happening. Fish kind of teed up Inara's kill by saying that you started to walk Fish toward the hut, like walk up the dock. Like you did that without me asking. And I knew what what I had to do. And I don't know, for me, I don't know. I, I think Inara like has trusted you and has gone all in. 
and knows that Tracy is somebody who is to be managed, but that if she disagrees with something Johnny wants to do, she'll tell him and do something different. But that's not the kind of straightforward way that they have to deal with Tracy. I don't appreciate being managed. I kind of see it, though, not in like a childish way, but in a way when you have someone who has very strong opinions and it has unshakable opinions. It's like and then you have like a group that like only brings like ideas to them when you think that you know what they're going to say. It's like adding fish sauce to a dish. Like you don't just like open the fish sauce for any old thing. You have to be like, am I ready to reckon with fish sauce in this moment? Canon. Tracy is fish sauce. (laughs) I actually see it differently, Eric. I see Johnny's relationship with Tracy as... I've been traveling with him for a while. I care about him. I know this will bother him. I'm not going to include him in this because I want him to... Trace is on his own journey of of discovery of who he is. I have my own thing. I've been around the block. Johnny is this many age. (laughs) Because it keeps changing, y'all. But he's old. So he's been around the block. He knows that there's no like righteous path for everything and you know if tracy wants to live the way he wants to live johnny's not going to stop it but sometimes people's gotta dies so he's gonna give a nod to inara and walk away yeah and i think inara something that i very much identify with is when i was you know a kind of late teenager i thought man i figured it all out everyone is so dumb i figured it out this is how life you know this is how it should be this is how po- this is the right politic this is the right religion opinion you know like i have figured it out and everybody is just unenlightened and just doesn't know and luckily it's opinion i grew out of but i think inara is kind of at that point where she's like you know murder is a tool you can just do it or this is clearly the bad guy like why are people not listening to me and so she'll kind of take a pragmatic approach over a like squishy sense of justice approach i will say johnny's not that enthused about murdering he's just like okay we tried with the light but just in terms of like you can kind of decide what the appropriate times to like loop tracy in are and are not yeah but for nara it's like just cut to the feeling like just cut to what you have to do and if you're able to do that like go on a private walk and get an assassin note and not tell you guys about it like why would she introduce variables to the equation if she didn't have to i have two notes i do think it's interesting to note i think we haven't touched on it that when in the beginning we were recording we were deliberate in our dynamics we talked extensively about like backstories and had connections and how that worked yeah but i think as we've gotten more comfortable with each other in person and in the game we have basically like relied on each other to allow character moments to happen without like prejudgment or worrying about tape kind of situation. Like there's been multiple times where Tracy does something stupid or ridiculous, but I know that that's the right moment for Tracy, but you guys as people are like, Oh no, what the fuck? But like you You guys let it happen because you know, there's some like mechanism behind it Two, I also think it's interesting as characters that Yes, Tracy is childlike and wondrous, but I think he's just as. Can he spell? He can fucking spell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think he's just as like schemey, for lack of a better word. Like he didn't tell you about the book. He's not simplistic. He is not simplistic. He knows what he's doing. I think he's more trusting, and I think people take advantage of the trust that he allows. But he's not naive. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't yeah. think we've called him. I, I, I definitely don't advantage act of his trust. I think you did. I think, With I this think his situation? optimism yeah. renders into childlike. That's how it comes off. And it's I don't just even, thinking I think like, it's pragmatic optimistic. I don't even think yes. it's like a worldview. It's just like yeah. No, I mean just to say, it's not that he like doesn't know stuff or doesn't consider the full picture. But I think his just sense of justice and his resolve 
are unrealistic for most people. And so that comes off as just being kind of otherworldly, childlike, untouched and untainted by the like realities of the world. Right. And that also doesn't mean, though, that like if eventually I don't know if this will happen or not, but if eventually that lie is found out, it doesn't mean he's going to like forgive and forget. It doesn't mean that dynamics aren't going to change. It doesn't mean that relationships aren't going to be weathered. Like, Sure. I mean, at least thinking about Johnny, he's like, he's not going to stand in a burning building and litigate someone's murder. Like, we're just going to go. Right. And yeah. I don't. And, you know, if this comes back to bite the group. OK, but I, I feel like Johnny trusts that this fib, which is. We technically what we said the is lied. not the letter, the letter of the law. Right. The letter of it is right. You lied. The letter of it is right. So Johnny has no qualms saying that that's what happened when it was in pursuit of a greater goal. And he believes that Tracy may be frustrated with him. He may be mad at him for a few days, but it will blow over because that's how Johnny is. I agree with that 100%. I believe that that is the truth that Johnny is living. I think that's wrong for Tracy. Which I think is which is why we that, didn't tell you, right? Which I think is something that Johnny has not discovered yet. Yeah, and what what I'll also say is the three or the four of us met as a group a year ago, and we started recording the show eight ish months ago. And so I think as our friendship has developed, exactly as you said, Brandon, we can do more of like following the truth of our characters without premeditating what exactly it means or why exactly things are happening. And I think we're getting at the deeper truth of the the person's nuanced decisions instead of the kind of archetypes of like the childlike robot, the preacher, grandpa, and the impulsive teen. Exactly. Yeah. I, I would know. never lie to Stoneface though. Or That's Ella. True. I thought you were going to say me as Brandon as a person. I was no, no. really, really <laughs> no. great about it, but that's fine. It's almost like characters who don't get along all the time create conflict and therefore good stories. I don't... Is this a moral? What are you of talking some... about? I don't... No. <laughs> you guys are buttholes. <laughs> well, thank you again to all of you who submitted questions for this after party. You can do so on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Tumblr. We're at jointhepartypod in all the places. You can email us if you want. Hello at jointhepartypod.com. Questions either for this or for Master Dungeon Master on our episodes. You can join our Patreon. Keep the party going all the time by participating in our patron-only Discord, which is just like the purest, finest place on the internet. And until then, we will see you guys in two weeks with a new episode. 